The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. I feel like I haven't told a basketball story. You guys want a basketball story? I, uh, I, I, so I played basketball in college. It was a really small, really small school. And, um, and my coach was interesting. Um, so the school that I went to was a Bible school. Like, and so one of the things about my coach was that he and the program, they did not recruit at all. A small school, they didn't even recruit in the city. They didn't talk to high schoolers who were good in town. They didn't do any of that because the mission of the school was to train up people to go into full-time ministry, okay? So they weren't about to go get a basketball team that did not align with that mission. And so my coach for, you know, decade plus before I ever got there, um, took whatever Bible college students showed up and tried to make a basketball team out of it. Uh, He happened to be quite successful at it. And um, and in fact, I would say an easy 80% of the teams that we played were more athletic (laughs) in every sense of the word than the team that we had. And yet, uh, in my four years, I played in three, again, this is very small school, so don't, don't think more than it ought to. We played in, in our division, three national championships in four years. And our, it wasn't because our coach just was good at getting unathletic dudes to win basketball games, okay? But now here's the thing. I, I learned something after, in, in the middle of the first season after we won game in, my coach was crazy. I mean, crazy, crazy. Like, you, you, if we're traveling and we're on the road and we don't win a game, we don't get money to eat. He was intense. Okay? I remember my freshman year, there was, ESPN released a documentary on Bobby Knight. You guys know Bobby Knight? Red sweater, throwing chairs into the stands. You know Bobby Knight? I remember watching that documentary going, dear God, if I could only play for Bobby Knight. (laughs) True story. So the first year I finished basketball, I finished that year, and I realized my coach is absolutely crazy. My second year, the second year though, I got to know him a little bit more, and then I found out he was an absolute lunatic. Like Like it intensified. Third year, and we kept winning games, I went, okay, maybe there's a method to his madness. And after this fourth, my fourth year, I realized he was brilliant and that he loved his players. In fact, if you ask anyone who played for him for one year, almost every single one of them is going to say the same thing. He was off his rocker. But you ask those who played for him for four years, okay, some still didn't quite connect with him. But the percentage goes significantly up where guys started respecting and honoring what he was doing. Uh, 
he is right now in, even from our small little bitty National Christian College Athletic Association, uh, he got inducted into the Missouri State Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, here's, here's my point. In, anybody who, who played for him for one year thought he was crazy. Anybody who played for him for four years, respect, at the very least, respected that he knew what he was doing. And I, and I think about that when it comes to the spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about. I think mean, one of the reasons that, maybe not you, just me, one of the reasons that I fail to appreciate the value of many of the spiritual disciplines in my life is because I've given up in the middle of the first season. I've tried it, but I didn't stick with it. We're most likely going to live, Lord willing, a number of years beyond this today. Even if we don't, we've given an amount of years to live, right? In, in the grand scope of eternity, like, what is a lifetime to develop a spiritual life? It's but a blip. And we think we're going to do it in a week and a half. We say, I'm going to try this discipline. But when it doesn't produce the results that I want, or I get into it and go like, this is producing nothing and it's crazy. Then I'm just like, eh, I'm not really sure. And then we have a bad taste in our mouth for the rest of our life about any particular spiritual discipline. Some of you are like, I don't really get this. We've talked about prayer and Bible reading. Let's introduce the idea of fasting. Now you're like, oh, this makes sense now. <laughs> See, fasting is an interesting discipline. It's unlike a lot of the other disciplines. I mean, it, it's similar in a lot of ways. But I'm just going to be honest, sharing from my own personal experience. I, I can tell you, I've, I've dabbled in fasting, but I've always given up a lot of times after tryouts. <laughs> but most of the time in the middle of the first season. Fasting is hard, and there's a lot of reasons that fasting is hard. There's a lot of reasons. One is because food is good. Anybody in the bacon bar can attest to this. Fasting is hard because food is good. Here's another reason. Fasting is hard because I'm weak. I mean, there was a lot of amens on that food part. The two are connected, you know, okay? Fasting is hard because food is good and because I'm weak. Here's, here's, here's another reason. Fasting is hard because I've bought the lie that discomfort is bad. I want to read a quote to you. In fact, fasting is something that I've, I've, I've been studying a lot lately. And so the book that we've been, actually, we've got it for sale out in the, in the lobby just at cost if you, if you want to pick it up out there. Um, the book, Celebration of Discipline. I've got a whole this message is going to be chock full of Richard Foster quotes from this book. Here's the first one. The constant propaganda fed us today convinces us that if we do not have three large meals each day with several snacks in between, we are on the verge of starvation. This, coupled with a popular belief that it is a positive virtue to satisfy every human appetite, has made fasting seem obsolete. Anybody connect with that a little bit? I'll, I'll raise my hand. So here's the deal. Fasting is hard because food is good, because I'm weak, because I, I've, whether I want to admit it or not, I've bought the lie that discomfort is bad. 
Um, and here's the fourth one, and this is the one that we're really going to lean in on today. And, and the fourth, fourth reason that fasting is hard is because I don't really know why I'm doing it. Right? I don't know why I'm doing it. The other disciplines we've talked about, prayer disciplines, I get that. That activity in and of itself has spiritual merit. So turning that into a discipline in my life, that makes sense. The Bible disciplines, that makes a lot of sense too. Um, like, right, I'm putting God's word in my heart. So whether I make it a discipline or a dabble in it, either way, every time I go to the word of God, I have, there, there's, something, there's something there for me. In and of itself, the actual activity is spiritually uplifting, right? Even the rest disciplines, the rest and retreat disciplines, even though maybe they're not like overtly spiritual like prayer and Bible reading, we all kind of get that one. We're all a little bit burnt out and we all go, yeah, I, whew, I see the spiritual benefit. Even if it's not overtly spiritual, I see the benefit right, in those ones. The, how about the, the active disciplines like work? And, in other words, seeing my work as an expression of the mission that God has called me to and, 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 and taking care of my, the physical body, this gift that God has given me. Like, I still see the spiritual merit in that. But the lack of eating food is just weird. Anybody amen that today? No shame. It's weird, okay? And so, so I want to I I, I wanna start by, by acknowledging where I am. I think sometimes we as preachers, we preach on topics, but we don't really talk about where we are so that everybody can assume that we're masters um, of whatever we're talking about. Let me just tell you where I'm at. This is, so the ancient paths card that is in front of you as we're talking about uh, Jeremiah 6, 16 there, at the crossroads, stand and look and ask for the ancient paths, ask for the good way and walk in it. The ancient path card that's in front of you would be a good thing to reference. The reason we keep putting them there, the reason that it's there is to force you to think through some of these. But the one that, to, to work on something, so the one that is, is on the top of my list is fasting. And there's a variety of things. And, and this, this, before this sermon series became a sermon series, it was just something that God has been teaching me and, and working in me for probably a, a year plus now. And this idea of fasting is one, that, one of the disciplines for me that, is, that is, has come to the, the top of the list. And um, here, here's my experience in fasting. The longest fast I've ever done was for five days, but that was more than a decade ago. I've done a couple different three-day fasts also more than a decade ago. Um, I have done a number of one-day fasts and a whole bunch of like one-meal fasts. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do those. Um, nah, 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 nah. Prior to a few months ago and th this resurfacing in my life, I, 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 I could say, oh, I, I do those from time to time, but I don't do them from time to time. I do them from like year to year, if I'm just going to be honest, right? We, we, there's little phrases that we can use to make people think it's something other than what it really is. Time to time. no. I just don't do it very much at all. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, we've had a season of fasting for the church, right? We've called the church to 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And we're going to do that again in August. Just prepare yourself. So process that as we're, we're taking all this in. Is it the first 21 days of August? It starts on a Monday. So we're just going three straight weeks of fasting, um, we are going to, to, as a church, set aside a time of fasting. It doesn't mean you don't, can't eat for 21 days, but we're going to fast something in that period of time. We ask that everybody would join us in it and just seek God. 
But I've done that from time. But even then, here's what I did with those the last couple of years. I would fast a day, like three meals every week. And they were never on the same day, but I'd you know, fast lunch or I'd eat breakfast, then fast lunch all day, then break that fast. With the, I'd do things like that. So that, that was kind of my fasting. Like I, I would periodically do it from season to season. But, but recently, this, this is, has come to the forefront of my mind. I, I heard a friend once say, or recently, within the last year or so, talk about how he was fasting. And he made a comment that he was fasting while he was at work, but he didn't use his lunch time, lunch break, for prayer. Ended up just getting caught up in more work. And then kind of made a, a, a flippant uh, comment just about like, well, so what's even the point? And that stuck with me. And, and I just, I kept coming back to that for a while. If I'm not going to use the time what I would be eating to pray, then what's the point? I thought that, that kind of falls apart really fast. I'll tell you why. Because I'm really good at praying, like so good at praying that I can do it while I eat. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe that's probably not fair. That's probably not fair. I'm really good at eating and I can do it while I pray. Maybe that's a better, maybe that's a better way to, more honest way to put it, right? Okay. Um, and so there's a part of me that goes like, like, I get what he's saying, but is that the point? Is that the reason why we fast? We fast so that because my life is so full that I don't have any spare minutes to pray, so I have to not eat in order to create that space for prayer. Let me tell you what, there's a lot of things I'll cut out of my life before I'm gonna cut a meal. And so if the only reason that I'm fasting is so that I have time to pray, it doesn't. That can't be it, right? Um, and so that just led me on kind of a, a, a little study of what this is all about. What is the point? You know, you see in Scripture, and we'll look at these here in a little bit, but you, you see it, it's to pray big prayers. I have a big need. I need God to answer a big prayer. Or I need big wisdom. I have a decision I made, so I need to fast so I can, I can get what I need from God. I need this divine blessing. You almost get this, this idea that I'm trying to twist God's arm, almost like a spiritual hunger strike, right? Like, I'm not going to eat until you do what I say, right? You know what I mean? Like, is that what fasting is? Yeah, you just watched me shrivel to death. If you love me, you... But we kind of approach it that way, don't we? No, let's just be honest. Let's, let, can we be honest again? We don't approach it at all. <laughs> but if we were to approach it, that's kind of the picture that we have in our head, right? This doesn't seem right. So what is it all about? We are going to spend our time together kind of looking at some of this. What, what does the scripture have to say about it? But first, I want to bring some clarity. I want to bring a definition here. Um, so the disciplines that we're talking about today are the abstaining disciplines. And that is of fasting and of, we just have stated as abstinence. So we, I know that word is usually in a sexual connotation, but when we say abstinence, I mean depriving myself of something for a season, okay? Um, so here's, here's the difference between abstaining and fasting. You abstain from commodities, you fast from necessities, Okay? We have, there, there's this kind of this trend that's coming in right now, and, and I, 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 
I'm not dogging this at all because there's spiritual value in cutting certain things out of your life for the sake of greater focus on God, whatever it is, right? One of the, everybody's favorite things, especially if you do the Lent thing, I'm going to give up social media. Everybody loves to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give up uh, processed sugars, okay? I'm going to give up, and we, we give up these things that are really, I give up coffee. That's, that's mine, okay? Uh, so I, I do these things too. We, we give up certain things, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's not only nothing wrong with that, there is, there is spiritual value in saying, I am stepping away from these things for a time of, of, of focus and to lean into Christ, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. However, it's, it's not really biblical fasting. You're abstaining for spiritual purposes, fantastic, but it's not really fasting. Fasting, in, it, by definition, is going without food. And so, um, again, it's, it's like one of those things we talked about earlier in the year, we talked about tithing and how like, giving is important. It's not bad, but if it, like, tithing, by definition, is giving 10% of, of whatever comes in, you give 10% back to God. Um, and that's what tithing is. Fasting, again, not stepping on anybody's toes if, if, if that's a hard thing for you. Or some people, from a health perspective and conditioning, it would be unwise and unhealthy to go without food for an extended period of time. Okay, there's no guilt, there's no shame. Um, then engage in some of these other spiritual practices, like abstaining from something. Um, but anyway, I just want to clarify that. When we're talking about fasting here, and that's where really we're going to lean the rest of our, our time together today and looking at the Word, when, when the Scripture talks about fasting, we're not talking about fasting screens, okay? We're, we're talking about going without food. And, and I think there's a reason behind it, um, a significant reason behind it. Fasting commodities like social media and screens and TV and and coffee, and, and whatever your Mountain Dew, whatever your addiction of choice might be, okay, that's fantastic. Um, but when we begin to say, God, I'm going to trust you not just with my first world's commodities, but with the bare necessities of life, I mean, there's a reason that that it's practiced like that. So I'm going to challenge all of us. Me, I'm going to back it up. Nearly all of us, because I understand health plays a part of this, okay? So you have to be in a relatively healthy place to be able to do this, which most of us can. In fact, some of us could do it exclusively for health reasons. Um, that is not the same. Tangent, side note. Fasting all of a sudden is surface all of a sudden. It's intermittent fasting is like a thing, right? I've done it, but here's the deal. I struggle more with intermittent fasting than spiritual fasting because if my focus is on God, I can get through it. If my focus is on my waistline, bacon is really good. So, uh, but I will say this, there is a difference, okay? The world has a variety of purposes, but intent is the significant aspect of why we do what we do. If you're like, hey, my pastor talked about fasting and I need to lose a few pounds. And so this is going to be two birds with one stone. Sure, but that's not why we're here, right? Um, What we're here for is to say, God, I want to follow you where you are leading. So here's the big question that we're going to try to answer today in uh, the time that we have left is this. 
Why should believers fast? Isn't that the question that we want to know? Why should believers fast? Uh, I want to start with Jesus' first teaching on fasting, and it's one that you may be familiar with. Uh, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus has, has just talked about prayer. He's just talked about giving. And when he talked about prayer and when he talked about giving, he doesn't actually command it, but he just uh, assumes it. When you pray, and then he tells us, tells his followers how to pray. When you give, then he tells his followers how to give. Like fa fasting is like either one of those. Jesus doesn't command fasting, but he assumes it. Um, and to say, well, that's not a law. I don't have to do that. Like if you remove fasting from the instructions of Jesus, then we might as well just remove praying and giving as well, which we know <laughs> doesn't really work. So there's this, there's this assumption in this is what my followers are going to do. This is what it looks like to walk this ancient path. And this is how he says it looks. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So, in other words, if you fast so that other people will notice that you're fasting and that you'll come across spiritual, like, them recognizing you is your reward. Good job. Implication here is there is no reward from God in that. This is what he tells us to do. When you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. Listen, you don't have to put oil on your head. This is just make it so it's not obvious. If you don't normally put oil on your head and you put oil on your head, it will be very obvious that you're, <laughs> something's up, okay? <clears throat> the point is, it's between you and God. He continues, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Why should believers fast? I want to start, the first thing I want to say is this, is because of the example. Why should believers fast? Number one, because of the example. Um, Jesus, first of all, teaches on it. But how did, how did Jesus start his ministry? Fasting. He started it with this, this time of prayer and fasting in preparation for all that God had called him to. This is something that Jesus didn't just talk about. This is something that he practiced before he ever even taught on it. Again, from Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes this, Scripture has so much to say about fasting that we would do well to look once again at this ancient discipline. The list of biblical personage, persons who fasted reads like a who's who of Scripture. Listen to those who fasted in Scripture. Moses, the lawgiver. David, the king. Elijah, the prophet. Esther, the queen. Daniel, the seer. Anna, the prophetess. Paul, the apostle. Jesus Christ, the incarnate son. Many of the great Christians throughout church history fasted and witnessed to its value. Among them were Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, David Brainerd, and Charles Finney. What's interesting is, is that we today have this, this mentality, like, why should I fast? Why do I have to? And let me just tell you, you don't. Bottom line, you don't have to. Um, and maybe that's all you needed to hear today. I'm like, okay, sweet, I'm checking out and playing on my phone. Okay, you don't have to fast. My pastor said he, you didn't have to. My question is, 
if these followers of God, pre-Jesus, all the way back to, to Moses, all the way through even the New Testament and into church history, said, I want to know Christ. And the path that he's leading me towards is this, this fasting piece Honestly, without anything else, would there, does there even need to be another reason why we wouldn't say, there's something here, I need to find out what it is. Right? If our hearts are truly to know Christ, to walk this path that he's called us to, like, shouldn't this even be enough? Like, man, look at those who've gone before me who said, this is a significant spiritual blessing to my life in a way in which I can find oneness with Christ. Man, that's a good first step, isn't it? Because of the example we have, right? Why should believers fast? Number two, because the spiritual blessing, and this is where we see, this is where most of our answer lies, right? This is where most where most people want to go to right away. Scripture is absolutely filled with places where people fasted. Some of it, it was a personal individual fast. Oftentimes, it was, it was a corporate fast. The law actually commanded, uh, God gave the law one day every year where the whole community would fast. Um, as the law kind of developed and added to it, multiple days of fasting were then called. So there, there's both personal, there's corporate, there's a lot of different things because they saw the blessing of God in it. We oftentimes just see the hunger in it and we go like, what's the point? Here's the things that in scripture, I'm, on, I'm just going to, for the sake of time, I'm gonna give you some books of the Bible with a chapter and I'm gonna encourage personal study but let me, let me just tell you some of the things that we see in Scripture and then what reason to fast. In Ezra chapter 8, there's a fast that was called for the sake of protection during travel. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, there's a, a fast that is called for the sake of renewal, spiritual renewal in God's people and for protection from impeding enemies. In Acts chapter 9, Paul fasted um, after he had an encounter with Jesus for three days for the sake of direction to know what to do and healing, that is, his eyesight would return. Uh, in Esther chapter four, uh, we see this, this fast that is called for protection of God's people and for favor with the authorities. In Matthew chapter four, we see uh, Jesus. We talk about this. Jesus anointed for ministry and we see this, this fast bringing this power even over temptation. In Daniel chapter one, we see a form of a fast that honestly, you could say it like Jesus, an anointing for ministry, a setting apart for, for what was coming his way. Later on in Daniel chapter 10, we see another fast, this time for wisdom and discernment and understanding. There's this example that we see of those who've done it. And then we'll, this, also this example of this, this spiritual blessing and, and th- th- that comes from it. In fast, look, just that list, protection, renewal, uh, direction, healing, favor, anointing, power, wisdom, discernment, all these things are a result of fasting, but our natural tendency is, hey, we're in grace. That's kind of like an old thing. I don't really understand it. I don't get what it's for. But listen, what, we're, what is available to us through this practice. Again, Richard Foster writes, it's sobering to realize <clears throat> The very first statement Jesus made about fasting dealt with the question of motive there in Matthew chapter 6. To use good things to our own ends is always the sign of false religion. See, 
so easy. And one of the reasons that we don't fast too is because we see people who took it to a weird place. Anybody seen that? Like fasting that was... It says how easy it is to take something like fasting and try to use it to get God to do what we want. At times, there is such stress upon the blessing and the benefit of fasting that we would be tempted to believe that with a little fast, we could have the world, including God, eating out of our hands. Fasting must forever center on God. I read that because of this. is because we see that, okay, there's an example. Okay, why do we fast? Because there's spiritual blessing. But anytime we do God's plan our way, weird things happen. And, and as even as the forefront, maybe like, I haven't fasted in a long time. Maybe this is something I'm gonna give it a shot. Okay, as you do, let's remember, the goal is not to twist God's arm. The goal of all the disciplines has from the beginning, as we've been talking about, has been what? Oh, come on. Oneness. It's been oneness with Christ. So as we fast, when we fast, we say, I'm going to give up, and give up everything. God, here we go. Like, um, and part of what we're giving up is food. The other part of what we're giving up is our preconceived notions of what we expect from God. God, it's about you. It's about one with, oneness with you. Okay. And that leads us kind of into the third thing. Why do we fast? Because of the training in self-denial. This sounds like a miserable one. Why would I want this? <laughs> because of the training in self-denial. <clears throat> Listen, we read this in our, in our Bible reading plan. Hopefully you guys are, are reading your Bible on a regular basis. I know a no, number of you are following along with us in, in our uh, Uversion Bible app. Find us on there if you're not. 1 Corinthians 6.12, one of my favorite verses. In fact, I'm going to read a couple of my favorite verses. 1 Corinthians 6.12, I have the right to do anything. Woohoo! That's a, that's a good verse, isn't it? Some of you are like, that's my favorite verse. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. That's a verse, I'll be honest, that's a verse that has been the, the uh, kind of the spearhead of a lot of the disciplines, maybe not so much on fasting, par partially, uh, but even on the abstaining disciplines. When I realize that I'm not quite in control of something any longer, and again, simple, innocent things, like my coffee habit, shoot, I just finished my second pot today. Time for a fast. <laughs> When I realize I no longer have control, but something else is controlling me, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that says, it's fine to drink three pots of coffee a day. You won't maybe survive the night, but I will not be mastered by anything. And there's, there's, like, a, there's like, a, like a manliness thing in there, something like a tough thing. Sorry, all the ladies, tough kind of thing, right? Like some of you are this, coffee's got nothing on me. Some of you, it is like social media. Like social media's got nothing on me. I can quit anytime. I'm just not going to right now. Um, I will be mastered by nothing. How about this one? He, he reiterates it a few chapters later. 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, we read this in our, in our uh, surf team huddle this morning. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 
Therefore, I do not run like a, someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Goes into strict training. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Who's in control of you? Your cravings or <laughs> your will submitted to God? Paul, I didn't look this up, I believe it's in Ephesians, but Paul talks about and gives a description of one who is an enemy of the cross of Christ. And one of the characteristics of the enemy of the cross of Christ is that his God is their stomach. And I think there's a food application to that, but I think it's bigger than food. And I think this is a big deal for those of us in an affluent culture. That we live in a place where we can cater to our cravings all the time. We want a snack? Get up and go get one. And apply that to every aspect of our lives. And, and there's something here that Paul just, like I see in Paul, he lived differently. He was not a slave to his cravings. The cravings were a slave to his will submitted to God. Guys, I want this. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be a sucker to my cravings anymore. I don't want to serve every indulgence that I desire. That's not the way of a follower of Jesus. And so one of the reasons, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'll just, so a few months ago I just decided, I'm going to begin to fast once a week. And again, I know Jesus just said, don't tell people you're fasting, but I hope you can forgive me. I just want to share with you what I've learned. One of the things that challenged me as I'm, as I'm studying this topic is that fasting periodically is good, but fasting as a discipline is life-changing. One of the things that fasting does is it conditions me and it trains me and it teaches me how to, even if it's just for two meal, two consecutive meals once a week, it trains me to say no to what I want. And I, I confession, I need that in my life. And if you are a business owner, particularly, <laughs> there's certain just facets of life that probably need this even more if you're not used to anybody telling you no. <laughs> homeschool family. I can say that because I kind of sort of work for myself and I am a homeschool family, okay? So this is no digs. This is like, pff, let's just call it like it is. I'm not in the habit of having a boss or a higher authority tell me exactly what I can and cannot do. Therefore, I'm bad at this. Make sense? Retired could be another one. Like if, if I have a lifestyle where nobody's telling me what to do, I get to do whatever I want to do. I need to fast to learn how to and be trained how to deny my cravings. Because in the long game, they'll kill me. I don't want to serve my cravings. I want my will surrendered to Christ to be master over them. Another quote, 
you will probably feel, this is just practical, okay? If you haven't picked up the celebration of discipline, do it for this chapter alone. If you're interested in fasting, it was really helpful for me. You'll probably feel some hunger pangs or discomfort before the time is up. That is not real hunger. Your stomach has been trained through years of conditioning to give signals of hunger at certain hours. In many ways, the stomach is like a spoiled child. And a spoiled child does not need indulgence, but needs discipline. Martin Luther says, The flesh was wont to grumble dreadfully. You must not give in to this grumbling. Ignore the signals or even tell your spoiled child to calm down. And in a brief time, the hunger pangs will pass. If not, sip another glass of water and the stomach will be satisfied. You are to be the master of your stomach, not its slave. Fasting annually is good, and we're going to do it again in August. But in the same way that fasting annually, I mean, fasting annually is kind of like working out annually. Does it have merit? Sure. Will it change your life? No. So the question is, is it just, is fasting an activity that you're going to try? And that's where it should start. If it's not a normal part, just, just start somewhere, a meal. But when we can learn to implement this into a lifestyle in the same way that exercising for one week once a year is not going to change your life, when we begin to implement this into our lifestyle, it will change you. In the few months that I've been like trying to practice this, not perfectly, but trying to practice this, man, I, I see things differently. Some days they're like, wow, that was such fresh perspective from God. Other days I'm like, that was miserable, absolutely miserable. But it's not about that one event because I'm in training. I'm training in self-denial because if I can't deny myself one meal on a normal day, why do I think I'd be able to deny myself the cravings of the flesh in other realms of life when the temptation increases? Right? It is training in self-denial. Here's the fourth one, and we'll wrap up with this. Why? Should believers fast because of, the one, because of oneness with Christ? Oneness with Christ. Listen, and this is how this works. As I disconnect from my earthly needs, I'm able to connect with Christ at a, at a deeper level. And let me not, I don't think I can state this enough, it's not about the one and done, it's about the consistency. If, if you like fast and you didn't feel anything, fine, you're normal. And if you felt anything, it was probably dreadfully miserable because your stomach is screaming at you. Okay, that's what fasting does. You didn't feel something supernatural, that's okay. Continue in it because in that process, in that training, in that consistency, as we disconnect from not just our cravings but from our needs of our body, what happens is we begin to find connection with Christ at a deeper level. And it doesn't just happen, it happens with intentional focused mind. In your fasting, if you just go to work and then just forget that you're fasting and try to like space the whole thing off, cool, you didn't eat today. Bring Christ into your fasting. Set your mind on him. When you become hungry, discipline your mind to, to lean in to, God, I need you to give me what I need today. Sometimes it's not just hunger, but it's like, I feel tired. I'm, I don't have energy. God, I need my energy from you. Draw from him. One last quote. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true 
disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You see, we cover up what is inside us with food and other good things. But in fasting, these things surface. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. David writes, I humbled my soul with fasting. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they will surface during fasting. At first, we'll rationalize that our anger is due to our hunger. And then we'll realize that we are angry because the spirit of anger is within us. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Christ. Personally, I've struggled to see the value of fasting in my life. But you know, the main reason is I quit in the middle of the first season. Some of you, have, like me, you've tried it. You've, you, you've done it here. You've done it for an event. You've done it here. But let me encourage you. Next week, we're going we're gonna to put a big bow on this, this, this uh, Ancient Paths series. And we're going to talk about what do we do now? How do we put this together? How do we map out a path for us, specific to us? But as you're entertaining this idea of fasting, and I want to encourage all of us, if this is maybe new, like take a step in it. Take a meal, fast a meal this week. Let's do this together and, and practice what fasting could look like. But so often, whether it's fasting or any of these dis disciplines, let's not be the ones that I tried it and it didn't, it didn't work, or I tried it and I didn't see the value, or I tried it and it, it wasn't quite there. It didn't, it didn't do it for me. And begin to say, God, there's this example. There's blessing that I see that comes out of it. Lord, I see the training, the long-term training for self-discipline, and I want to find oneness with you. And if I don't find all of that in one missed meal, so be it. I'm sticking with it. But we need his help. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. that you, Again, once again, for these paths that you've given us. Once again, for, for, for what you're teaching us and what you're showing us. Thank you. And as odd as this one is, thanks that you've given us these pathways that we can experience a deeper oneness with you than we've ever experienced without practicing it. God, teach us to trust you. God, teach us to trust you in every way. This week specifically, as, as each of us, as we maybe take a step in the direction of fasting, maybe pick a meal to go without or whatever that might look like, God, give us strength. Would you, I know it doesn't necessarily happen every time, but God, God, may we sense your presence and richness as we take these initial steps in obedience to, in this direction. God, we really need you. And we thank you. We thank you for your promise that says that if we draw near to you, you're going to draw near to us. Father, it's a prayer today. Whatever, whatever I can do to draw near to you, God, I want to do it. Whatever I can do. So God, lead us and guide us into truth today because you're a good God who loves us. And we love you. At your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.